Welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us today. We hope that this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. Amen. Last Wednesday, we heard a fantastic message by Pastor Patrick on mercy transforming our lives. Uh, I, was, I was deeply moved. I was moved to worship. I was moved to respond. Uh, you know, when you're confronted with the mercy of God, it's deeply humbling. It, it breaks your heart. It causes you to be grateful. It causes you to be sensitive. It causes you to be vulnerable to the Holy Spirit. And I was so thankful for that touch last, last Wednesday as the Holy Spirit ministered through that word and how mercy shapes our lives and, and really changes us in powerful ways and causes us to worship, uh, and it's so true. And we were so challenged on Sunday, Pastor Nick's message, uh, how resurrection shapes us. You know, it's, it's great. What a, what a stirring word. We, God has been speaking to us, and we've been enriched. And I was encouraged on Sunday once more to believe God uh, in my own life for resurrection and recovery and blessing. And uh, I want to just continue along those lines of, of just how richly the Lord has been blessing us through the Word. And I want to continue that, that, that spirit of encouragement because I believe people need encouragement. I believe people need to have their heads lifted. Amen? Jesus said, he said, when you see these things come around, lift up your heads for redemption is drawing nine. So it's our job to keep our heads lifted. That's what God's called us to as ministers is to be the lifter of the heads, to encourage and to bless. And, uh, and I want to talk to you tonight about uh, being shaped by mercy. That's the title of the message. But I was looking last week at Matthew chapter 5 and uh, had a discussion with, with Pastor Patrick. Didn't even know it, but he was in the same book at the same time. And we were reading this, and uh, God was speaking to us different things, but... Um, we were both in what's called the Beatitudes. And, uh, you know, some people take that as that's the attitude you should have. It's the be right attitude. But that's not at all what that means. It's a cute turn of phrase. But it, and actually, Beatitude is, is a Latin. It's taken from the Latin Beati Sunt. I think that's, that could be it. I'm not a, a believe me, I, know, I don't know a whole lot of Latin. But uh, anyway, it's, it, it means blessed are. That's what it means. Beatitudes is, is when Jesus was proclaiming blessings on certain groups of people. So it, was, it wasn't a call to be a certain way, to be humble, although we, you know, we teach that. Jesus was actually coming and proclaiming blessings on the broken. So he was ministering to broken people. He was ministering to people that were mourning. He was ministering to people who were poor in spirit. He was ministering to people that, uh, that were humiliated and, and dealing with all sorts of things in their lives. So Jesus comes, and it's really not so much about, the, the Beatitudes aren't so much about trying to be something as receiving something from the Lord and, and ministering into brokenness. So it's a, it's a proclamation of blessing 
on all those different uh, things that, that people contend with or maybe that are in their lives. And it's interesting when you, when you begin to read that, you, you catch right away that God gives, uh, sorry, in Matthew chapter 5, uh, verse 5, it really stood out to me. I was reading this verse and uh, it, it says this, blessed are the humble for they shall inherit the earth. And it's a, it's, a, it's a proclamation to those who are humble, those who are meek, one translation says. But it's interesting that when you read that, you catch right away uh, that God gives ground and territory to those that have most likely been shaped by difficulty and hardship as it follows on from verse 4, those that mourn. So the first three of those verses, 3, 4, and 5, are about people that have experienced brokenness, and life has beat them up pretty badly. Uh, those that have mourned, those that are hungry, those that are uh, poor in spirit. Uh, so Jesus is talking to those that mourn, and, and he's promising uh, uh, something in their life that will cause them to gain ground and gain territory. That's what he says. You're going to inherit the earth. You're going to, you're going to be given more than, what, than what's been taken from you. You're going to be given in your humiliation a place in God and, and something by the Lord that is going to so blow you away. So I know it's not what you're looking for because the humble, it's, it's kind of funny that the Lord says it's the humble that are going to get the earth because the humble really don't care that much about inheriting the earth. You know what I mean? It's like, it's kind of like that, but Jesus is talking to them and he's encouraging them and he's saying that this morning uh, has had this, this cry and brokenness has produced something within their own heart, a, a cry, a humility that God is stirred by and has responded to in the ministry of Christ. If you remember in the, in the book of Exodus, uh, when God appeared to Moses, what did he say to Moses? He said, it's the cry of the slaves that's come into my ears that I've come down now. I hear the cry of the broken. I hear the cry of the humiliated. I hear the, the cry of those that are mourning. I hear their cry, and so I'm coming, I'm going to send a deliverer. And so Jesus is here as the ultimate deliverer to those who are broken in this world. And so I was reading about this today, about God's blessings, God's provisions, God's touch upon the poor in spirit, the mourning and the humble. And, and what began to come to me more and more and became more real into my heart is that God wants to take those that have been shaped by pain, those that have been shaped by loss, those that have been shaped by difficulty, those that have been shaped by sorrow, and cause them to overcome in such a way through the gospel and through his blessings in their life that they themselves become channels of mercy and become blessings to others. That's really the gospel, isn't it? It's what God said to Abraham. I'm going to make you a blessing to nations. Uh, you can't do that in yourself. You're not fruitful. You are poor. You have no ability to produce. But what I'm going to do in you is going to be so miraculous that it's not just going to be a, about your family and your four and no more. You, what I'm going to do in you is going to be so miraculous that the nations are going to be blessed. Wow, that's amazing, isn't it? That, and it, it goes along with what Scripture says that he's able to do in us more than we can think, will, or even imagine. 
Imagine that, that God wants to do something in us that's going to blow our minds and our hearts and do something in us apart from our own abilities, apart from our own uh, strengths. God says, I will be the one that will come upon you in your weakness, and I will do through you what only I can do. I was praying for someone recently. I think it was last week. I can't remember who it was, but I was praying for them. I think they were at the altar down here. We had a time of altar call week before last, and I was praying for someone, and, and you know how when you begin to pray for someone, you feel the Holy Spirit rise within you, and you begin to pray uh, with that kind of unction, that kind of mind of the Holy Spirit. And as I began to pray, I said to the Lord, Lord, uh, do beyond his imagination what he's able to even imagine that you can do. And then this prayer came into my heart, Lord, do what's in your imagination. Wow, what a prayer to pray. And I felt it was from the Holy Spirit to, to, to pray, God, don't do what's in my heart, but do what's in your heart for this person. Go beyond my expectations. Go beyond what I can even imagine you can do and, and fulfill what you have in your heart for this person. And I believe that's what God is saying here to those who are broken, to those that, that have no ability, those that are mourning, those that need his comfort, those that have been humiliated, those that have been outcast. God wants to come and to do something that's miraculous. And, and he said to those that, 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 that have this cry that has been produced within them, this cry and thirst for the kingdom of God to come and do those things, God says, I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to give my blessing. I'm going to give my provision. I'm going to touch you. I'm going to put my touch upon you, the poor in spirit, the mourning and the humble. So this is an encouragement when you read the Beatitudes. It's, it's a proclamation to them about how he's going to bless their lives. You've been broken, but you're going to be blessed. You've been mourning, but you're going to be blessed. You've been, you've been seeking and you haven't found you're going to be blessed. I'm here to do this for you. I'm the fulfillment of this. And uh, as I thought about this, as I thought about this more and more, that began to stir in my heart that God wants to do more than we can even imagine. God wants to do things in our lives. Because, you know, pain breaks your expectations. Disappointment tends to dull your imagination. And sometimes, I love what Pastor Nick was talking about on Sunday. Sometimes your past can become the standard, and you can't see beyond it. And you think, well, this is, I've reached a ceiling. And it's like you're in a flea circus, you know, in a flea circus that, you know, they put the, the glass over the, over the, the little circus with the fleas and they hit, they jump up and they hit it and then they remove it and the fleas can't, they could jump much higher, but they've gotten so conditioned to jump so high. And that's what we, sometimes our lives are like a flea circus with our expectations and it can only go so far. But folks, I want to tell you that God can break through that and begin to do things in our heart and begin to surprise us with the gospel. He wants to pour out on the spirit, the poor in spirit, something from heaven, an inheritance that transcends our physical reward. He wants to replace brokenness with strength. Amen. He wants to give us tears 
uh, in, where we've had tears, he wants to give us a kingdom of joy. He wants to comfort those that bear the sorrow of sin's effects and disappointment. Those that mourn over lost childhoods, lost relationships, and lost dreams. Those that suffer with sorrow due to generational trauma that gets perpetuated over and over again. You know, doing the work that we do uh, in Feed Cork, when you're next, when you when you come and you draw near to people that are in generational trauma, you see that they need a miracle. They need God to step in and stop the, the, the constant cycles of abuse, the constant cycles of failure. And so this is what Jesus is saying. I'm here to stop those cycles. I'm here to do something in your life that, that will be an amazing thing if you cry out to me. I was reading a book recently called The uh, Emotional Inheritance, and it was written last year by a well-known psychologist, and they were discussing how now it's proven uh, through study and, 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 and just the studies that have been carried out that we carry in our bodies and our minds the emotional trauma of our ancestors. Did you know that? And, and they discovered through studying Holocaust survivors and their families and their generations after them, that the pain and the sorrow and the physical and the mental emotional trauma is actually passed down even physically through the generations. That there is something that happens in, in when we are broken that gets transferred and gets and carries on a life of its own. And, and trauma, trauma, they're saying, not only alters the victim, but it alters victim, it alters generations to come. So we're living with an emotional inheritance right where you are right now. Right who we are right now, and it's handed down to the generations. It's handed down from your parents and their parents and their parents before him. And, and this, is, this is borne out in some ways through scriptures. When you read the scriptures, the prophet Jeremiah says this. He says, he talked about the parents eating grapes and the children's teeth being set on edge. So the effects of the, of the parents' lives away from God was going to have a, di- a direct effect on their children, and it was going to visit them. And we, and we read about this in, in the Old Testament, about the sins of the followers, fathers passing upon to the following generation. And science is now catching up to what the Bible has been saying all along, that, that research is, is catching up to this, that humanity is bearing a collective pain and sorrow, not only of our own failure, but the very real effects of our parents and so forth and so on. The misery, the depression, the mental torment, the fear, the sorrow, all of that just continues to get passed along. It, get, it continues to, 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 to be revisited and, and creating cycles of this in people's lives. But Jesus came with the gospel to break that in our lives. Amen? Jesus came not only to write our name in a book, in Lamb's Book of Life, and give us a promise and a hope of eternal life. But that word salvation is about wholeness as well. That Jesus comes to heal the brokenhearted. That the anointing is there to touch us in those places where we need to be touched. To free us in those places where we need to be freed. So that we are no longer shaped by these controlling forces. 
Those controlling forces of fear, those controlling forces of rejection, those controlling forces of trauma that, that, that get visited upon us. And this is in part what Jesus is saying here in Matthew, where the curse abounds throughout the generations, I have come to bless. I have come to, 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 uh, to intercept to step in between life and death, to come into your life and to do something and to break something in your life and to heal you in places that you need to be healed. And this is what we're picking up in Matthew. I will bless the broken, the mourners, the impoverished in spirit. And and this isn't so much about Jesus saying, do this and be blessed in the Beatitudes as it is a gospel announcement. I'm coming to bless in those areas of defeat. I'm coming to bless in those areas where you're caring, where you are mourning. You don't even know why you're mourning. You don't even know why these things are happening to you. But I'm coming in to intercept. I'm coming in to stop something that's happening in your life. And I'm going to put you on a new path. I'm going to level the mountains. I'm going to raise the valleys. I'm going to make the crooked places straight in your life. This is what Jesus is saying. And, 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 and it is him serving notice, as it were, on the effects of the curse. That's what it is. Jesus is serving notice on the effects of the curse. The curse of sin up until this, this point in Matthew 5 has had free reign from Adam to this point. There's been no one that's been able to come and challenge the effects of sin. There's been moments of reprieve. There's been moments of temporary respite where there's been revivals and there's been different things and graces where God has appeared to the Jews and he's touched this generation and that generation. But all in all, from Adam to this point, no one has been able to stand and stop this, this onslaught against humanity, this sin, this power that is, that has come to captivate and break apart and to, to bind and to bring us into bondage. And, and so Jesus is now serving notice on this curse. And he's, and he's pronouncing upon them his blessings. Where you are broken, I'm going to bless. Where you are mourning, I'm going to bless. Where you have failed, I'm going to succeed and I'm going to bring you through. This is what Jesus is saying. I've come to bless. I've come to break cycles. I've come to offer hope. I've come to, to rescue and restore you where trauma has had its effects in your life. That you and I no longer, and this is, this is the heart, I believe, what, what the Holy Spirit was putting into, into me as I, was, as I was reading this. That you and I no longer have to be shaped by the invisible hands of pain, sorrow, and hurt. That we, we have a different set of hands in our life now. Amen? Hallelujah. We've got a different force shaping our lives. That we are not just turned over as it were, to the forces of nature, to, to man's will, man's sin, man's hurt, our own failure. We're not just thrown out there, thrown out to the wolves. No, the shepherd has come, and we are safely in his hands. He says, I've got a, there, there are a, a steady uh, set of hands that are now going to shape you. There, there is a healing set of hands that are now going to shape you. There is a caring pair of hands that are now surrounding you and is going to mold you and is going to shape you into a vessel of honor, a vessel that can contain my glory, a vessel that can be a vessel of mercy. 
And this is what he says. And, and, and this is where I, we were talking in the title where I said, uh, having mercy shaping your life. That, that these hands that are on you are merciful hands. And they are working on your behalf to do things that you cannot do on your own. That God is, God is concerned about your inner life. Amen? God is concerned about your peace of mind. God is concerned about your fears of rejection and your anxieties and your traumas that continue to be happening in your life. God is concerned about those things. And he says, he comes out and as he says in Matthew 5, I've come to bless you. I've come to stop. I've come to help you in those areas where you're mourning and and you can't get over it. I've come to help you where there's poverty in your spirit and you don't have the resources and, and the ability to overcome. I've come to give you what you need. And that's what Jesus is saying. And so heaven's inheritance just isn't about eternity. But it's, it, it will begin to address immediately in us those inro- inroads that sin has caused. The neglect, the abuse, the perversion, the betrayal, the lies, the broken paths of our families don't have to be our paths. Amen? I'll never forget growing up as a child, growing up with an alcoholic father. And my biggest fear was that I would not be like him. That was my biggest fear. And I, and I mean that with all sincerity. I remember him taking me to bar rooms and, you know, going off the road drunk and all these sorts of things, the abuse, all of the, the things that goes along, the neglect, the re- all of that sort of thing. And I thought, you know, I never want to be like this. I never want this in my life. But, you know, as life progressed and as things happened, and as you, as you see, you may have that desire not to want to be that way, but if you grow up in those circumstances and situations, you're more inclined to be that way. You're, you're pushed into that. It's, it's like, it's, it's, it's part of your life. And, and Jesus, this is what Jesus is, is, is talking about here that you don't have to live in those broken paths. That your parents walked. You don't have to live in those broken, those broken areas. You can have a different life. Those cycles can be broken. And most assuredly, we do not have to continue to live under these same patterns of behavior, thinking and feeling. Because the gospel is robust. The gospel is more than just uh, giving us a song to sing. It affects our lives. It goes very deep into our hearts and does a miracle. Sin just wasn't the transgression. It was also how we bear the effects of that in our own bodies. There's a work of grace for every survivor. I think about these Ukrainian folks that are coming over here, the trauma that they're facing. How many of you know there's a grace for every victim? There's a grace for every child that has been abused and now as an adult that you can walk a different path. Listen to this promise from Jeremiah 31, 29. It says, in those days they shall no more say no more, the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, 
So he said, this is a new exodus, not like the old exodus. There's, you, I'm going to bring you out of, of, of more than just a physical slavery. I'm going to do something in your life that, that is going to be astounding, which my covenant they broke, although I was a husband to them. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, said the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Jeremiah prophesied and said the new covenant was going to be so powerful that it would not only deal with our sin or failure, but it would put it and put it away, but it will go so deep into the hearts of those that have lived after generations of sin and brokenness that it would deal on a deep level with the effects of what was handed to you. Isn't that wonderful? How many people do I know, even in this church, that God has come and done something in their life And to see where they come from, you wouldn't know it. You wouldn't recognize them. That the the transformation, the touch of God, the, the, the freedom. I think about Pete Speckman that was here not too long ago. From a life of criminality, from a life of addiction, from those things, into a place of becoming a channel of mercy. You would never know his story had he not shared it with you. You would not imagine the things in his life had he not told you those things only because he's testifying of the goodness of God in his life. And God says, I want to do a work in you that's going to touch you in your heart. I want to shape you by mercy so that you're no longer recognizable with that old life and those old patterns. This is the promise and this is the wonderful thing about the gospel. And, and this has been demonstrated over and over and over again, that the power of the Holy Spirit can so heal us, can so deliver us as we walk with him, that those factors no longer prepare, pre, uh, prevail to shape our lives. Isn't that wonderful? That God shapes our lives in such a way that those things that used to shape our lives are no longer recognizable. And I like what Paul says, and, and we've been talking about this, that we view each other the way God views, each other, views us. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And there are people in this church right now, the power of Christ has ended generations of addictions, generations of insecurity, and bad relationship after bad relationship. And, and, and you, now, you now have children that don't know what it is, the things that you knew, that felt like you felt, that mourned like you mourned. The Holy Ghost so completely touched you that you received a new emotional inheritance. God did something in you, and that it was what you are now passing on to your children. And so now you are, because of the work of the Holy Spirit, you're passing on a new inheritance to them. Isn't that wonderful? I thank God that my children won't know the same pain that I knew. I thank God that they, they'll never know how it felt to, to be left alone or, or to be forgotten or betrayed uh, uh, by a parent. I thank God that, that they have something re- restored to them by the grace of God. Nothing that I've done, but because Jesus stepped in and broke the cycle, now I am a vessel of mercy, and he has given me an inheritance, and now he's given my children an inheritance. Isn't that wonderful? This is what God wants to do. This is the heart of God. 
This is the inheritance of the gospel, that he will work in our lives, that we would be restorers of the breach and, and we would dwell in new paths. God is interested in your family's mental, emotional health and well-being, and he wants to give you uh, that in, as part of the inheritance. One of the greatest testimonies in, in the Gospels, I think, is when Jesus touched that poor young man that was living in the gathering, suicidal, outcast and out from everyone, wild, unable, you know, filled with the devil, wanted to hurt himself, kill himself, cutting himself, suicidal, one, one experience with Christ, and the Bible says that they came upon him and they saw him clothed and sitting in his right mind. Isn't that wonderful? That's what he does. This is what we can rely on him for. This is what we can have hope in and believe in. I want to close tonight because I, I, I want to inspire you if you are one of these that still mourn in Zion, one of those that still deal with the effects of trauma, that, that still deals with uh, those things, those leftover, those residual effects of maybe bad decisions of your parents or things that happened to you as a young person. And you haven't experienced the full liberty of the gospel in those areas, but you long for it and you want God to touch you. Because tonight I want to tell you, blessed are you that are broken in spirit. Because God's going to give you an inheritance. God's going to do something in your life. And this is the hope I'm going to bring to you. Because I was, I was reading this and I believe that, that God wants our families to know love. I believe he wants them to know peace. I believe he wants them to know joy and acceptance. And I, and, and I believe as we gain victory in our own minds and hearts, uh, it's, it's going to overflow and it's going to touch others. And I believe it's the Lord that wants us to begin to ask for these things. Maybe you've not asked for that because you, you, you didn't think God was interested in those sorts of things, in your mental health, in your emotional well-being. That, that God wants to alleviate you of feeling empty all the time. That God wants to touch you in those areas where you're anxious. But I believe it's, it's in the, the heart of the Father to end those cycles in our lives where we have been shaped by trauma and when, in those places where we have been through brokenness. I was blessed today when I was studying this because I was reading about the blessing. And it led me to a passage of Scripture uh, to a man that was shaped by sorrow and pain, that out of many generations chose to look to God for answers, and God heard him, and God heard him. And, and, and I believe he's a glimpse, I believe, of, of what God will do in a man or woman's life that says, God, you said the broken-spirited would be blessed, the mourners would be blessed, the meek would be blessed. Uh, <clears throat> my life has been shaped by pain. My life has been shaped by sorrow and difficulty, and I'm asking now for my gospel inheritance, that my teeth no longer be set on edge because of what has gone on before. I don't want shame. I don't want trauma. I don't want pain to be the main factor that shapes my life. I want mercy to shape my life. I want your mercy to be the testimony of my life. I want you to shape my life, to help me rise above that which has been given to me and gained ground in this world for you. And, and I was reading that 
and, and many people know this, his name is Jabez. And a, and a few years ago, this prayer went around the church world, and it was almost like a mantra that people prayed. It was like a, a, you know, a prayer that if you prayed this, everything was going to go right for you. But that's not why God put this in the Word. He never put this in the Word as a formula to get something. But it is an example when you study it and you drill into it of, of what God wants to do with broken people, with people that have suffered, with people that have faced difficulty. And you can read about him in First Chronicles 4, 9 through 10. And we're gonna, we're, we'll only be just a couple of minutes here, but listen to this as I close. First, First Chronicles 4, 9, And Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bear him with sorrow. And verse 10, And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my coast, and that your hand might be with me, and that, that you would keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me, and that I may not wound or hurt others. And God granted him that which he requested. Now, as I said earlier, people wrote books about this all the time, and, and they you know, they, they tried to use this as some sort of magical prayer, but that's not what it is. That's not what God's heart was. It could be further from the truth. God was conveying something here. Here's a man over four pages of generation after generation being born. Now, if you study Chronicles and you read that, that's those generations. This one begat that one, and that one begat this one, and it goes on and on and on and on. And all of a sudden, we're introduced to a man with a cry. We're introduced to this, this man that has a cry in his heart. That God interrupts all these generations and all the things that have been happening in those generations, the failure after failure, the, the, the letdown after letdown, the sin after sin, the hurt after hurt that's been transferred. And in the middle of all of that, after all of those years have passed, there comes a cry into a man named Jabez's heart. And, he's, and, and I believe it's there as, as an interruption that, that finally someone stood up and said, is this really all that God has for me? Is it just generation after generation of failure? Generation after generation of pain and sorrow? Generation after generation of letdown? God, there must be more to life than this. Would you do something in my life that you've not done before? Would you do something in me that, that is special, that, that, is, that is something that is outstanding? And this cry comes into Jabez's heart. God, bless my life. Give me ground. Let your hand be with me. Enlarge my horizons. Keep me from evil and, for, and from repeating only what has gone on before me that I would not be grieved by hurt and evil, and that I wouldn't hurt and grieve others. His name, Jabez, is not a good name. It means sorrow. And the Bible says that he was born into pain, grief, and sorrow. And whatever the story was, whatever his mother named him that, we're not told. Was it a hard childbirth? I don't know. But it's something that so traumatized her, she felt to pass it on to her son and call him that. So here's the son that... that 
that has that is marked by this trauma, this this pain, and and it's borne out in his name. Every time his name is called, he was a reminder of it. It shaped him. It shaped his life and his existence. Every time he went into town, hey Jabez, how are you? What would you like today? I'll take three bags of wool, thank you, sir. So every time he would go to the marketplace, every time he would go and worship, his name would be called, and he's a reminded of a that he is a product of. of of, of sorrow. He's a, he's a product of trauma. And this is, and this is transferred into his life and he's reminded of it. And, and we don't know if it produced bitterness in his mother. We don't know anything about that, but we do know that it shaped her. And here he is, a man that is shaped by what went on before, rising and asking for something completely different. It's wonderful. And this is what this is about. This isn't about a prayer that God wants you to repeat. This is about a story of a cycle that God wants to break and has broken in the gospel. It's a gospel vignette hidden in the Old Testament. This is not about a man wanting prosperity and blessing, but a man longing for freedom and help from a lineage of hurt and failure. He says something I'd like to close on. Keep me from evil or adversity, that it may not grieve me. And some translations include what some translators feel is inferred in this prayer, that I may not grieve others. In other words, let this stop with me, that I don't pass this on to those around me and those who come after me. Let this evil that has been visited upon my, my life end here. And don't let it, don't let all of that pain shape me. Matter of fact, the, the word grieve in Hebrew means pain that carves and shapes. And I think that frames Jabez's prayer. That's what he says. Lord, don't let my pain shape and carve me. I want to be shaped by you. I want to be shaped by something different. Don't let all the pain and loss of my past dictate my life. Don't let it have the victory over me. Don't let me be shaped by it. Pain can either shape you or warp you. It's up to us what we will allow it to do. And this man said, I want you to interrupt what has gone on before. Don't let it shake me. You shake me so I don't grieve others. So I don't pass this along so that, so that the cycle stops here with me. And the Bible simply says this, that God answered this man's prayer. Hallelujah. It doesn't go in to say how he did it. But there's a history that says that Jabez went on to found a, a, a discipleship school, is what the, the Jewish traditions say. And out of that became musicians that played and blessed God and through their ministry, there, was, there were prophets and prophesyings that rose, rose up out of this man's ministry and out of this man's life. That, that God gave him something in his pain. And God broke something in his life. And I believe he's an example of every person here of what God will do for us if we ask him. If we ask him. Would you stand with me tonight? Because I believe God wants to stop the flow of generations of pain in our own city, in our church. I believe it's his heart to move that way, that he wants us to ask in our own lives, God, don't let disappointment, 
Don't let trauma and letdown failure shape me. But do what you did in Jabez's life. Heal me. Regardless of what has shaped my life heretofore, I want you to be with me in my generation that your hand would be evidently seen in my life. Not the hand of pain and sorrow that, that used to shape me, but your hand of mercy. Let your hand of mercy be seen in this generation in my life. Don't let the past be the thing that shapes me and sets the standard. But God, let it be your mercy that shapes me the rest of my life. That I don't hurt others. That I don't pass it on. But God, that I become a witness to you. Can that be our prayer here in Court Church? That God would give us ground. That he would give us larger horizons in our lives. That God would free us and he would free us from our past. And he would shape us by his mercy into vessels of mercy that will bless others. That's all I want to pray tonight. I believe we're to invite God into that and ask him to do something miraculous. And the Bible simply says God did what he asked him to do. Let's pray. Father, tonight I believe you've come to bless. I believe you've come to restore. I believe you've come to break cycles in my life that you're breaking even now. I believe that you're touching me, you're touching others, and Lord, your hand of mercy, Lord, is moving in our lives in a very real way. God, I ask tonight that you would touch those here and those that are watching, those that are longing like Jabez for things to stop in the midst of the generations, that to break those things that have been continually happening. God, that you would come and that you would expand our horizons in our lives, that you would shape our lives, that trauma, disappointment, and pain wouldn't, but God, it would be your hand of mercy. And Father, that we would be vessels of mercy and we would be used by you in this generation to show mercy to others. Lord, let that be our experience, that you would hear us in this, and God, you would move in a very real and powerful way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's close. I'm just going to close in prayer. Folks, I pray that you take that with you. Read that prayer. Read about that man's life. Let it be an inspiration for you to invite God into your life in a very real way to do something miraculous. Father, we ask you tonight as we leave this house that we would be inspired to seek your mercy. We would be inspired to ask you to do things in our lives that we cannot do on our own. That, Father, mercy would be the shaping force in our lives, the hands that shape us and guide us and lead us. Bless our congregation tonight. Be with us, Lord, as we leave this place. Let your word inspire us to believe you for greater things. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you tonight. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website. It's www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and we will see you next time.